0: But today, I, uh, I was talking to my wife and to my granddaughter. I said, I've, I've got a couple of directions I really feel like the Lord wants to go here, and I am not certain. Well, they said, well, tell us the gist of each message. And I told them, and they said, this one. So, uh, and I thought, wow, it really does fit all of us. And uh, so we want a message that's going to touch every single person here. Amen. And uh, I want to I take the text out of uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to do a case study on the life of Elijah, the prophet. The Bible tells us that when Ahab got home, He told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you, just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left there his servant. Then he went on alone in the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. And he said this, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who died already. And that's the title of my message today, I've had enough. You ever felt that way? You've been there, you've done that. Visa has a great commercial uh, in trying to get you to sign up for their credit card. And uh, they show you a series of crisis situations or emergencies that you have to suddenly have funds for that you don't have on hand. So to buy their credit card, they they have this phrase and it calls, they they say, life comes at you fast. And boy, did that with my sister. Suddenly, we're planning this. Next thing you know, boom, we're in a hospital. 24 hours later, after she went in, I told her, after she came out of surgery, I said, yesterday at this time, you were in extreme pain, and you had two major problems wrong with you. Today, they're fixed. 24 hours later, but you're still in this recovery area. Life, I have found over the years, and and by the way, uh, that bio need to be updated a little bit. I've been preaching now for almost 50 years, and uh, so ministering, right alongside Junior Totten. Jr.'s been my mentor right there, setting that man. So life is composed <clears throat> of a lot of different encounters and, 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 and that provide challenges to our character. OK? Character is not made by crisis. Crisis reveals character. It brings out who you really are. So in these challenges that we have, i found that life's greatest wars are not fought in the physical realm, but they're fought in the battlefield of the mind. Since this COVID isolation that was politicized and the world was pushed into a fear the fear was that you will die if you get this disease one out of two chances that's how it they promoted it and so people became so afraid and paranoid to be around each other and it isolated and in this isolation there's been a lot of anxiety that's on the uptake Suicide rate has has peaked and reached a a higher climate because of this thing that went on. See, life's most serious conflict is inner conflict. And the scars that inflict the most permanent wounds are not found on the skin, but on the soul. And our life's journey and encounters lead us to many questions like, Who in the world am I? What, What am I here for? What is my purpose in this life? And these questions that particularly invade our thoughts after we've had our ups and downs, after we've had joy and sadness, when our friends turn to our enemies and when your spouse maybe has betrayed you or your employer has terminated your job, the question hits, how did I get to where I am, which is so far from where I thought I should be? You see, Carol and I have felt that before. As we began Central years ago in our church and after pastoring successfully and everything and the church didn't want to move on, we had to go and start a new work because God wouldn't release us from Baltimore. I begged Him to, but He wouldn't. And as a result, we just sort of felt like, my goodness, after all these years, we're starting all over again. And this matter of life's encounters and their questions pretty much summarizes the prophetic career of this man of God called Elijah. And and, and today, he is an ideal case study for us because James says in in James 5.17, he records that he was as human as we are. And, And as you know, Elijah had conflict with King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, I'm assuming, knowing these men of God that they have really laid out the Bible for you over the years and you've perhaps studied and you've seen and you've read about it. So a lot of this, I'm assuming that you've already understand that there was a conflict between Elijah, uh, uh, Ahab, and Jezebel. And and, uh, Ahab and Jezebel had taken this nation of Israel, uh, godless reign to its worst time of immorality in the history of Israel. And by various means, God had tried to send messages to Ahab and Jezebel. Three and a half years, no rain fell, no dew. And and the story of Ahab and Jezebel comes to a horrific conclusion in chapter 21. I'm not going to go into that. I challenge you to take and read that this afternoon or sometime this week. But even further, I challenge you to take and read the Bible cover to cover because if you are to continue to walk in victory in your life, you need to know God's word. See, if you're going to overcome life's encounters, uh, you've got to be like the psalmist in Psalm 119. He says, uh, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. He goes on to say in that uh, that particular passage, your words are a lamp unto my feet, they're a light unto my path. And he goes on and says more, forever your word is settled in heaven. Can you say amen? You see, the problem with many believers today is that we know about God, but we don't know him. See, I think the main reason we don't know Him is because we don't spend time fellowshipping with Him in this document of His of love and guidance called the Bible. Jesus said, you will know the tree by the fruit it bears. And far too many of us who are saved, but we're not surrendered. Amen. You see, we've let God save us, but we've not allowed His Word to change us. And if you hoped I want you to know that God didn't just save you so He could get you to heaven. If that were the case, he would have arranged Pastor Frank to drown you in the baptistry so that you'd already be there. But you and I were saved not to just go to heaven, but to bring heaven to earth to be an instrument of God's life here in the earth. Walking with a changed life, a changed character, a changed behavior is the greatest evidence of an encounter with the living God. You see, our lives and our values are shaped by the Holy Spirit illuminating His Word and renewing our minds. And this is absolutely essential if we're going to face life's worst difficult challenges and storms that suddenly, suddenly arise. Well, Mount Carmel, it was Elijah against 450 prophets of Baal. Mark, you have to go to Israel with me. I just finished my 28th trip. And you'll go up there on Mount Carmel and right where all of that event took place. It's incredible. You know the story. God showed up. Fire fell from heaven burned up the wood, burned the altar, burned the stones, burned the water, burned everything up, and 450 prophets of Baal were killed, and, and still Ahab and Jezebel never repented. She was in the midst of this victory that Jezebel sent this death threat to Elijah, and the Bible says Elijah ran into the wilderness. And Let, let me pause here just to say that there are three kinds of people in this room. Okay? There are those who are in a wilderness. You're in a wilderness experience right now. And it's a challenge. There are those coming out of the wilderness. they are the ones that's got the little pep in their step and singing the song, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. They're happy. And then there are those who are going into the wilderness. They just don't know it. (laughs) Hence, Billy. (laughs) And suddenly, you find yourself there. So you're either in the wilderness, coming out of the wilderness, or going into the wilderness... You see, every life spends some time there in the wilderness. And and in in the case of Elijah, it can happen at the high point of your life or your career or your ministry. But sometime in life, there will be a wilderness experience that you and I will have to face. Elijah did for 40 days. Israel did for 40 years. Jesus did for 40 days. And I believe how long we're there depends on a lot on how we come to grips with the revelation of who we are in Jesus Christ. Right. Elijah had come to the point where he despaired of his own life and he had to ask this question, life's most difficult question, how did I get where I am, which is so far from where I'm supposed to be? His experience tells us that no matter how saved you are, listen to me, you're going to have some bad days. Turn to somebody and say, hey, He's talking about you. <laughs> and another thing, you have to understand that this is Elijah, he's not some sinner reaping the consequences of bad behavior. Right. This is not some believer who strayed from the path of righteousness. This is a child of God. This is a servant of God suffering while walking in the will of God. Right. Right. Good. And it says that as believers, there's going to be times in our, that our faith is going to be tried. And there will be seasons in our life where, these, uh, uh, where we're going to question what we believe. We're even going to be tempted to doubt our faith. You say, well, that never happened to me. Well, I'll tell you what. Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest man born of woman. Right. And it happened to him. Yeah. While he was in prison, you remember? His disciples came to visit him. How's it going? How's it, what's happening? Well, rumor is he's consorting with prostitutes and harlots and wine-bibbers and eating with sinners. Now that'll stagger you. And he asked this question. He said, when you go see him, would you ask him? Are you he or should we look for another? Sometimes we just get hit with something. We think, God, I don't know what's going on here. I don't even know if you hear me. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And right now I really don't care. Death would be better than this. And that's where we find Elijah. So you need to know that trials and tribulations and seasons of depression do not make a believer any less a Christian. Nor does it imply that you have little or no faith. As some have insinuated over the years. James 5 says this, 13 through 17, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are you happy? Sing praises. Are any of you sick? Call for the elders of the church to come pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer fails, save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And if you've committed any sins, they'll be forgiven. Confess your sins or your faults to one another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly, no rain fell for three and a half years. I want you to see that. I want you to see it. And what this faith hero is teaching us is All of us are going to be tested on different levels, and the Word of God says, we who are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. And and, and this is a word to the church. If you have a strength in the area of someone's limitations, don't you dare look down on them. Because of their inability to conquer that thing. Give them some encouragement. They need that. Build them up. Because you may have a devil you can't defeat. That's right. And they may be the very ones that will step in right. yeah. and bring you your strength. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Wow. Good. So I promote the idea. Like in the early days, Junior, we were doing cell groups before Young Yi Cho discovered that they were cell groups. <laughs> we got with each other. We spent time with each other. We built each other up. When we saw fault in each other, we shared it. We confessed back and forth. And I remember one night when I lived up in Hernshaw, I remember one night Junior and I were on the phone talking. And Junior said, Terry, let's make a covenant with each other. So Junior's just not my best friend. He's my covenant friend. We made a covenant on that phone and we still talk about it to this day. That if we see something in one or the other that is just not right, we will we will be we have the permission to go to each other and talk about it. And encourage each other, not to put each other down, but to strengthen each other. And I just encourage the congregation to be that kind of a situation that before when you see that person, something wrong in their life, before you judge them, Pray for them, encourage them. They may be going through something that they need a word from you. Amen. Practical. There's something that my son put together in his, in his thoughts in our small groups there. Uh, they said, we, we do life better together. I think that's excellent. Next, here's something else in this story that you and I need to know. You can't outrun evil. You can't outrun your trials. You can't outrun tribulation. You can't run from your challenge. You see, when Elijah was faced with his calling, he was in a city called Jezreel. And when he asked God to take his life, he was a 100 miles south in Beersheba. And and oftentimes we think changing our geographical location will somehow change our situation. You ever have that urge? Well, I'd like to live somewhere else. Or I'd like to do this. You'd like to be somewhere else. Well, Elijah ran from Ahab and Jezebel over 100 miles. And what I want you to see is that Ahab and Jezebel are simply representative of a challenge or a trial, a risk, an encounter in Elijah's life. So how many of us are running or want to run from our challenges? Don't don't raise your hand. You want to run from that storm. You want to get away from it. How many of you are trying to escape confrontation with something or someone? The lesson here that gives us in this scripture is that we might as well stay right where we are because trouble will find us wherever we go. Trouble will follow you. Jesus said in this life, You might have tribulation. No, he said you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Don't be afraid. Don't ever underestimate the traveling power of evil or or your problems. No need to move to another town. No need to send your resume to another job. No need to join another church because the hell you run from where you are will always find you wherever you go. And while we can't control the ebb and flow of the history of our life's challenges, we can trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not into our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him and He will direct our path. Amen. See, I believe much of our low spirits and unbelief and our struggles and our everything that hits us is a result of rush and overstrain. We see that in the life of Elijah. He couldn't wait. To go back to Jezreel and tell everybody what was going on, he outran the chariots to get there and announce revival. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> he was in a hurry, and he was definitely, after this, in, a, in an overstrain. So when he reached his breaking point, fatigued, worn out, 100 miles. God's first case, or God's first care to him, was to give him rest and sleep. Here's some bread. Here's some water. He woke up. Angel of the Lord said, "We'll give you a cake." It was an angel's food cake That's right. and water that lasted him forty days. You see, it's a very practical thing. You like Elijah. Overworked nerves, tired brain, physical exhaustion, when you're trying to figure things out, has as much to do with depression, despair, and troubled spirits as anything else. Just tired. You see, in times of rest, we can refocus, we can reanalyze. I remember our 10th anniversary of our church. I was tried to help God so much that I got in the way a lot. I was worn out. Board looked at me and they graciously said, we'd like to give you some time off. Don't you worry about anything. Everything's good here. We've got an arrangement for you to go to this place in Florida. Condo, it's all free. Uh, and on the coast and, and all this. and Seven weeks. And... I'll be honest with you, it took me probably five weeks to where I came to the place where I could refocus. I didn't realize how bad I was, burned out I was. And my wife and I, it, it, it really helped us during that particular time. So I understand this. I understand why God practically went right at. We, think, we may be thinking some spiritual this, and God says, no, you just need some rest. And so let's not overdo our spiritual analysis of things and come to the place, are you getting enough sleep? You see, in times of rest, we can refocus. And when Elijah was rested and God strengthened him, the Lord told him to go back the way you came. Why? Because Elijah's problem wasn't Ahab or Jezebel. Elijah's problem was Elijah. And if I'm honest... With the analysis of my life, the trouble with me is me. And I hope my wife does not say amen. <laughs> and if you're honest today with your analysis, the trouble with you is enough said. Elijah came to this understanding that when God gives you an assignment, you need to do it. You don't want to be one of those Christians who could be charged with malpractice for not using God's gift that he's equipped you with and you may not be using it. So whatever God has told you to do, just do it and leave the rest to God. Believe in God. Believe in his program for your life. Believe in the path for your life. Believe in what he is doing and and be confident that he cannot fail. Paul said, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue this work until it is finally finished on the day of the Lord. So hold fast to your faith because folks listen to me faith not the power uh, to acquire or bring something into my life as much as it is the power to obey God's plan for my life we need to learn that truth faith is to stay on God's ordered paths which naturally lead us to those blessings that he has in store for us things like that that, that fulfill us things that make us fruitful Faith isn't an effort to acquire things by bursts of spiritual energy. It is simply staying on track in the pathway that God's word has ordained for you to follow. Faith isn't a word of command as much as it is a response of obedience. You see, God's promises and His blessings are already there in the pathway that His will has directed us. Faith simply walks forward, possessing everything that He has for us. One last thing. How am I doing? Am I over? I got how much more? (laughs) Oh. <laughs> Let me pause just a minute before I get into this one last thing. I was preaching the anniversary of this black congregation. Uh, the, the the pastor of the church is a reporter on the local news there, NBC affiliate. And uh, he asked me to come and do their anniversary message. And I was preaching, and, and I did not know the time. They didn't have a time. Usually our people, when it's time to uh, to finish up, the keyboard will come out and they'll start playing softly behind you. And it's an indicator about five minutes before that you need to start wrapping it up. And, and so, so there was no music, there was no clock, there was nothing. I have this, uh, this watch that it bothers me at times. It's, it's a smart watch. The question is, can you do dumb things with a smart watch? And the answer is yes. Uh, and so, and so by me preaching and everything, the watch thought I was walking. <laughs> and so I looked at the pastor. I said, Pastor, uh, I, I don't know, what, what time do I have? And, and, uh, and, and, and so that he just laughed and he just preach. And all of a sudden my watch buzzed. I looked down it says, keep moving forward. You're almost there. <laughs> God's honest truth. <laughs> I said, okay, Lord, I'm just <laughs> I'll do that. One last thing I want you to know, I want you to understand in overcoming life's challenges that there's no formula to recover from these shockwave encounters. There's no way to recover from a spiritual burnout except a revelation of God Himself. 1 Kings 19 says, God said, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. what are you doing here? Which is so far from where you're supposed to be. You see, with his encounter with Elijah, God met him at the point of his need and his crisis. And notice this. Like Elijah, God never brings up our failure or our past. Instead, He embraces our present and He joins us to an adventure in life with us together. That really hit me because as parents we'd say, I told you, you should have. What are you doing here? they about killed me. I'm the only prophet left. He said, I got 7,000. But he didn't bring up his past. You know what he did? He gave him an assignment to go forward. You go anoint Jehu and you go find this young man, Elisha. He's going to take your place. So you do all these things. You go forward. He never scolded him. He never berated him. He never belittled him. He didn't bring it up. Now there are a lot of people in our failures will bring up things. Oh, they'll bring up our past. They'll tell us how we failed. But if you want to be like Jesus, you don't bring that stuff up. I already know how I failed. You don't have to remind me. I already know how I feel. You don't have to make me feel worse. You see, I had an encounter one time with the Lord. I wanted—I think I have time to tell you this. What, what time? 11.30? 12. Oh, oh 12. <laughs> I, I had an encounter, and, and how many of you loved to deer hunt? Yeah. I, I, was, I was deer hunting. It was a special, perfect time of the evening. I had just heard this buck grunting over in the woods there, and it's very quiet, not a wind... Nothing blowing. It was getting along toward evening. And I had been laboring under a heavy burden. It was 1999. I'd been laboring under a heavy burden. And I really wasn't enjoying what I was doing. And so I had two friends with me. And the Holy Spirit, that's how I... Let me back up and say this. As Pentecostals, we like the wind, the fire, and the earth shaking. Yeah, We think that's if, if, if and that's all the day, you look at the day of Pentecost, those were all the, the, the significant signs on the day of Pentecost. A rushing mighty wind, a fire clo- cloven tongues of fire, the earth shook, the place shook where they were. All of those were there. Well, it was God showing up, but the still small voice is usually how I get spoken to. Because I want something powerful, thus saith the Lord. That's right. but God usually whispers to me, when I get quiet, get alone. And I'm quiet and I'm alone, and I'm heavy, this burden, it just weight was on me. And I heard this voice: "Stop hunting, put your rifle aside and worship." And I did. I'm sitting in the woods worshiping. Thank you, Jesus. Oh God, you know the situation. I'm just praising the Lord. And all of a sudden, a power of God felt. Now I'm shouting in the woods, speaking in tongues. <laughs> I am, I don't care if there's, and I am just Worshipping and shouting out and praising God and the power God did. The peace of God was beginning to flood me. And when I came to myself, I looked around and it was dark. I said, I better get out of the woods. So I had a headlamp that I could put and see the ground until I got to the roadway in the field and I turned it off. My friends were out there And so when I turned the corner and they were there waiting on me, they were looking at me oddly. I walked up to them. They said, what's going on? I couldn't talk. He said, there was a light that shone coming around that path and it's all over you. What's going on? I couldn't talk. They immediately began to lift their hands in worship. And there in that field, they had another worship service. And it started with a still, small voice and the lifting of a weight off of my life. 15 years later, I'm in that same area in that woods hunting with my grandson. Fortunately, I just got our venison for the year. And this guy walked up on me and we were talking. He said, I've been here for a few years. I said, yeah, I've been coming here for many years. And he's looking at me and he said, wait a minute. And I'm working with the deer. He looked at me and he said, are you a pastor? I said, yes, sir. He said, you're the pastor that glowed. Fifteen years later, I didn't know the man. Get along with God. Spend time with him, and when the burden is too hard to bear, like David, lead me to that rock that's higher than I. See, embrace the Lord, draw near to Him. We have no need to fear of a future. For if God be with us, who can be against us? No wonder Moses said, he said, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, I don't want to go anywhere. This is a man who had seen God do miracles in the Sinai and in Egypt. The parting of the sea, rock, spewing out water, manna falling every day, quail being blown in by the east wind. He had seen all these wonderful things that God had done. And he simply said, Lord, beyond all these miracles, beyond everything else, I want you. And if you're not there, I don't want to be anywhere without you. See, God gives us a promise he gives us the power to live life's pathway. He is our person who will be with us every step of the way. So, going through crisis, please forgive me for. So, if you ladies need to borrow a handkerchief, I will not pull that one out. I want to just close with this thought this little boy on the farm, he liked to go there. One day, his grandmother had three pots of boiling water on the stove. And he walked in, and uh, she said, I want you to see, see this egg? She said, it's soft and runny, and I'm going to put it in this water. And she said, see this potato? It's hard. I'm going to put it in the water. And there were coffee beans there. That were just absolutely the aroma of them is wonderful, and she said, "I'm gonna put them in water." And after the egg had boiled, she said, "I want you to take a look at this. See, the egg was soft, but now it's hard, being exposed to the same temperature, same water, same crisis. See, the potato—it was hard, but now it's soft. That boiling water softened it." But you see, the coffee bean, it changed the circumstances. It changed the water to something that was very tasteful. So the quality of your life is not dependent on your circumstances like the coffee bean. But the quality of your circumstances is dependent on the quality of your life. See, in a moment of adversity, you can choose to allow it to harden you, to soften you, or in the midst of all of it, you can change everything around you by how you live it off. So if I leave you with the final word, be a coffee bean. Change everything else around you. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Hallelujah. I asked the Lord how I should close this service in prayer earlier. And I i really believe I heard from the Lord say that Apply the principle of Elijah. Are any of you in need of prayer? Pray. Any of you have a spirit of, that's been uplifted? Sing. any of you need prayer for healing anoint with all the elders should be anointed with all in the name of the Lord in other words bear each other's burdens so if you are in a crisis right now I'd just like for you to stand right where you are you feel like you're in a crisis You're, you're in a wilderness now you could be coming out of the wilderness you could be going just getting started but you're right now, you sense that you're in a crisis, just just stand for a moment. And if you feel like you just came through something and you're sensing it's over with, thank God I made it through, I want you to stand. And then I'd like for you to do something. Find someone who is in a crisis and go to that person and stand beside them, if you would, please. And I'm not going to ask anybody who may be going into the wilderness because you may not know you're going into a wilderness until you're there. But anybody else, if you would just go alongside these people who are standing and just put your arm on them or hand on their shoulder. And if you would, that is recognizing that you don't have to go through this alone. I'm with you. Come on, find somebody until there's two people standing one with another. If we can, men with men, women with women makes it more comfortable for those who are standing so if you would please just move out that's it because there's going to be strength that's coming as a result of this i'm not going to ask for the wind to blow the fire to come or i'm not going to ask for the mountains to shake i'm just going to believe that god's going to speak to in a still small voice and he's going to say, peace, be still. Peace, be still. And they can know, whoever you're standing with, they can know that you are sympathetic enough and compassionate enough that they can count on you. They can confess their fault. They can tell you I'm in need and know that you won't look down on them or be, feel like you're any less than See, that's the problem with a lot of us. If we feel like if we say we acknowledge that we have a problem and I stand, then people are going to think ill of me. No, that's what we just preached about. Don't you ever look at a person or think that you can't be a good Christian and still not go through crisis. Happens every day to the best. So now I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus Christ, join me in agreement. I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to do a work in this place, in this room. I'm praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to invade their lives. And when this time is over with and when we walk out of here, uh, there will be be going along and they won't know what hit them until they suddenly look around and realize that, my God, uh, I can see clearly now. Things are making sense. You are bringing me through. I have a future. I have a plan. And you you are going to bring me into my season. And you're going to take me and you're going to walk me through. And I'm going to be your servant. You're going to be my God. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for you to be healed. I pray for the Lord to anoint you. I pray for God to empower you. I pray for God to embrace you. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to envelop you and keep you in all your ways to the glory of God in Jesus' mighty, wonderful name. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. God bless you. Pastor Don, amen.